Major support for Carolina Business Review provided by Grant Thornton. Operating in more than 100 countries, our tax audit and advisory professionals specialize in helping companies unlock their growth potential. Colonial Life, providing benefits to employees to help them protect their family, their finances, and their futures. High Point University, the premier life skills university, focused on preparing students for the world as it is going to be. And Sonoco, a global manufacturer of consumer and industrial packaging products and provider of packaging services with more than 300 operations in 35 countries. When the idea first began to emerge about a global healthcare crisis, and not just a seasonal bug, but in fact was going to be a profound effect on us across the globe, the media could not deliver enough news about it, and we couldn't consume enough news about it. In fact, the intelligence at the time was moving at lightning speed. I'm Chris William. Welcome again to the most widely watched source of Carolina business, policy, and public affairs, seen for almost 30 years each week across North and South Carolina, in some dubious way, we are getting used to the COVID economy, but what does routine mean? What's the new norm? How long will it last? And finally, what about the start of school? Later on in this broadcast, the Secretary of Education from South Carolina, Molly Spearman, joins us again. But in a moment, we'll start with our panelists. Stay with us. Gratefully acknowledging support by Martin Marietta, a leading provider of natural resource-based building materials, providing the foundation upon which our communities improve and grow. Blue Cross Blue Shield of South Carolina, an independent licensee of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Association. Visit us at SouthCarolinaBlues.com. The Duke Endowment, a private foundation enriching communities in the Carolinas through higher education, healthcare, rural churches, and children's services. Bearings, a leading global asset management firm dedicated to meeting the evolving investment and capital needs of its clients. Learn more at bearings.com. On this edition of Carolina Business Review, Bernie Mazik, President and CEO of the South Carolina Association for Community Economic Development. Anna Bevan Gravely, Executive Director of the North Carolina Free Enterprise Foundation and special guest Molly Spearman, South Carolina Superintendent of Education. Welcome again to our dialogue, Anna Bevan and Bernie, welcome. And you both look, you, you both look happy and healthy. I'm, I'm assuming that you both are kind of finding your, finding your momentum, finding your character in this, in all of this. Yeah, uh, a Zoom seems to be a new, way of life and I can't imagine not having it at this point. And, Bernie, how uh, you doing? Finding, I'm finding my rhythm with it, you know, yeah. and it seems like I'm busier with Zoom because we've cut down on travel time so I can do back-to-back -back meetings, which is not always a good thing, but no. as a rhythm. Yeah, it does. You feel like you got to backfill a lot of things. Bernie, let me, let me start with you. Charleston is certainly not the first town to do this, but they have created a, a thing called the Special Commission on Equity, Inclusion, and Conciliation. And Charlotte has them. Columbia set it up. Raleigh, Asheville, et cetera, et cetera. I'm, I'm wondering, this is a typical city response to establish commission or some type of board or panel. Does this have a different momentum to it now? I believe so. Uh... Actually, Asheville has set the pace with the resolution on reconciliation and 
the specific details that have come out of that. Uh, Charleston's commission and the mayor will be introducing his commissioners shortly, uh, have very important uh, content area. And fortunately, there's uh, the, the talent of, of persons that can uh, take the, that subject matter and run with it. So I think it's more than just a bureaucratic response. I think this time, uh, with the fact that the city council and the mayor uh, was able to pass a resolution to take down the John C. Calhoun statue, mm -hmm. which was there for over 100 years, that shows real uh, commitment to racial equity and uh, was able to, to do that uh, without incident. And uh, so I think this is, this is a different time. And we're very excited about what we think the new uh, possibilities will be for an e equitable and inclusive economy here in Charleston and throughout South Carolina. And, and Anna Bevan, let's, let's go to you because at UNC, at Carolina, uh, the, silent stamp, the silent Sam issue was, has been hot for years now, in fact. And now, uh, given what we know and what has happened following the tragic death of George Floyd, and the much broader talk about racial equity, Raleigh was one of those towns that had surprising, and this is my interpretation, had surprisingly acute violence around protests very early on. In light of that, you've heard Bernie talk about special commissions. Um, is Raleigh responding? Are other towns in North Carolina responding? Yeah, I think that there's a lot of energy around um, this very topic and whether it is it goes to overall um, systemic racism or to, to monuments. It's an overarching theme that is continuing to come up over and over and over again. And the energy staying high, like, like a good psych up mix. That's really what comes to mind. You gotta stay psyched the whole time and keep the energy high. And that seems to be going on a lot in, in staying that way in, in North Carolina. But, but back to something Bernie said, and Bernie, I'm not, I'm not trying to speak for you. Uh, A.B., and I'd like you to comment, and then Bernie, uh, is the idea that Asheville had started floating this idea with success about reparations, and not so much about reparations and what they should look like, but that, th that idea has gotten dusted off again. Would you expect to see that that idea and other ideas more progressive with a small p get dusted off and, we, and, and it does not, I guess the same question, doesn't lose momentum? Yeah, I do see that other um, other towns and municipalities are going to have those conversations. Um, I know back home where my parents live in, in Rocky Mount, North Carolina, they are having those kinds of conversations. It's just a matter of whether they're going to take action like Asheville did. Bernie, uh, in the low country and across the state of South Carolina, some of the poorest countries or counties in the South reside. Uh, and uh, housing is an important part of that, and housing was crucial e even before this public health crisis unfolded. How, how key is, is the issue around housing affordability and keeping people in their homes, given that now we have this, this financial crisis, Wilming? Well, just think of it. Uh, everything during the pandemic, the early part of the pandemic, had you shelter in place, had you stay at home. So fortunately, Congress and in South Carolina, our Supreme Court, uh, put a moratorium on evictions. Uh, Congress uh, and, and HUD also put a moratorium on evictions with federal uh, housing programs. So housing is critical, even normal times, but especially now 
uh, where uh, you have to shelter in place or stay at home or you have stay at home orders. But housing is, is vital even for a vibrant economy. And for uh, beyond healthcare, it is critical to making sure that uh, persons are able to uh, take care of their, their health, take care of their families. So uh, this, this whole issue of housing, housing was already unaffordable for a number of people in South Carolina. You had almost 30% of the renters, uh, I'm sorry, 30% of the homeowners and over almost 50% of the renters uh, were experiencing cost burden, meaning that uh, 30% of their income was devoted to housing costs. So already that was a very tenuous situation. It's even more so now, and it's critical and vital. And so my members are leaning forward and trying to make sure that those who are in their communities can stay in their homes, whether they're renting or whether they're owning. Are, are you optimistic about a solution, Bernie? And not to have to go in too deeply, but are you optimistic? I'm, I'm optimistic in that we have local people that are dedicated to this issue and will turn over every rock to make sure that there's opportunities there. Our state housing finance agency is very active in trying to lean forward in making sure that uh, folk can stay in their home. And our funding partners like banks uh, and credit unions are also working very closely with our members to try to make sure people can stay in their homes. Anna Bevan, I know you want to comment on all those things, but I, I want to take you in a different direction because we want to bring right. Secretary of Education. And, um, uh, with all the can with all the rhetoric around uh, uh, politics and campaigning and mm -hmm. the the gulf between Republicans and Democrats seemingly never wider, you had said in public and was and were quoted, "I think we're going to have a status quo election year." Do you mm -hmm. really think that? I do actually. I know it's kind of crazy. Um, I do think that's going to be the case. We have uh, NC Free has recently released our list of of races that we're watching, and there are 37 of them, and they vary from open seats to competitive seats. But the competitive seats are really, really competitive. And some of these, the candidates on the right and the left, are very strong. Um, we're seeing with Q2 fundraising numbers that there's a huge fundraising gap. Um, but that's not the end of the story. There's a lot of ground that needs to be made up by Democrats and Republicans in order to make major changes of control in the General Assembly. Mm -hmm. The Democrats on the House side have to pick up six seats. On the Senate side, they have to pick up five. And Republicans, in order to get a supermajority, have to pick up seven in the House and one in the Senate. So there's just, that's a lot of races um, for there to be major movement. And very quickly, do you feel confident enough to prognosticate about presidential elections this year? Would there, is there going to be a surprise? Um, well, right now, in this moment, um, in, in a week from now, we'll probably have a completely different answer, but that is 2020 for you. Um, I, I think that it is going to be a, a really interesting presidential. I'm not sure how the, how the, the final end is going to be, but I, I have a hard time seeing Truthfully, I have a hard time seeing President Trump losing, despite the polling. Someone said recently, if you've seen one startup school plan, then you've seen one startup school plan. There is a very wide difference between individual schools, district schools, state schools, and all of the different hybrid of plans that are proposed. 
Joining us now is someone that is very acutely aware and intimate with all of that. She is the Secretary of Education for the Palmetto State, and we are glad to welcome her, looking again healthy and safe, uh, the Honorable Molly Spearman. Uh, Madam Secretary, welcome again. Thank you, Chris. It's great to be with you from my home in Saluda, South Carolina. Uh, Madam Secretary, you heard the quote I just said, but this, this idea that this wide disparity between all of these different startup school plans, the state does give guidance, of course, but is this broad definition of what it looks like to start up in just a couple of weeks, is this a good thing or a bad thing? Well, I think it's both. Uh, I think we have to rely on the spread of the, uh, of the virus in each community. Uh, I think we have to look at how that community is impacted. Uh, the choices of the parents, some areas there's a greater um, feeling of parents to join a virtual situation than others. Some feel more comfortable in sending their students back and with a small school setting versus, you know, school sizes range from 150 children in a school to over 4,000. So certainly that gives parents different feelings about what is best for their child. So I do think it's important for us to use this as a community, not a one size fits all, look, look at the community need. But at the same time, there is a very high level of standardization that should be there. Expectations for attendance, expectations for student engagement. And for me, here in South Carolina, I'm asking all districts that even though they may say they're going virtual, that they have some time where students come into the school and we put our eyes on the child. Because I think that is really, really important and has been a missing piece. We can do that safely with a few children in each classroom, but I really think it's an important piece. So I am, you will see that in all plans in South Carolina as I go through approving our plans. Uh, open up for questions, Bernie. Uh, Superintendent Spearman, I personally want to thank you for your leadership and for supporting local school districts in South Carolina and their decision-making for how they will uh, open school. Uh, with the opportunity for federal funding to be made available to uh, the states for school openings and for education, what would be your priority for funding that would come to South Carolina? Well, we've had several different pots of federal funding through CARES Act money to come into the state. And each of the pots has strings attached and different uh, obligations. For instance, the two billion, almost two billion that we received in South Carolina, uh, what I call the governor's money, <laughs> uh, had to be spent by December 31st. Uh, there was another 212 million that came to the Department of Education, which 90% of that goes out to the school districts in our state. Those districts have two years to spend that funding. And it's very broad in how they can spend it. I, and I cannot tell the districts how to spend it. I can make suggestions. So we have suggested, number one, that they use their funding to get ready for better distance learning. So technology, purchasing devices, assisting families with paying for internet connection. Uh, we at the agency have used our funding to buy a statewide, what we call learning management system that will put us in a much better situation for teachers to communicate 
two-way with their students and with each other in the district and even across the state. So we are using our agency 10% for that. So I think um, that would be that that's been our number one priority. Secondly, to make sure that you have all the safety paraphernalia, the PPE that you need for school reopening. So those those are the two things uh, that come to mind. But you know, as I think there social emotional support for the students. So just being ready uh, for a surge in the virus. And as we see now, many districts wanting to go virtual that they're better prepared than we were on March 13th. Anna Bevan. Um, Secretary, you've mentioned a lot of different entities and a lot of different pieces to the puzzle. Have you seen increased collaboration and um, coordination between um, all different groups of um, Well, absolutely. Thanks. Absolutely. We've been working very closely um, with health experts, for sure, on uh, the medical teams from our state agencies, but also from the hospital associations, from, from the different health organizations. Uh, yes, uh, just recently, I was at Michelin, North America mm -hmm. headquarters, where they are helping us uh, in this message of how important it is for each citizen to put on a mask. If you want mm -hmm. school, if you want children to be back in school, do your part, wear a mask. Mm -hmm. Let's do what we can to mediate this virus spread. And also numerous phone calls with business leaders, um, one mm -hmm. scheduled right after our interview today with large corporations who, what can we do to help? Mm -hmm. uh, the faith community, uh, I've had tremendous support from the faith community and have another meeting planned with them uh, in the next few days to discuss what can they do to help schools get back up and running and to support the teachers and the families in the community. So yes, a tremendous amount of collaboration. Uh, we need to put it all into action. Words yeah. are wonderful, but we need action because this is probably the most difficult issue that we have ever faced uh, for sure in my lifetime in education. Secretary Spearman, I want to, hold on just a second, Bernie, I want to go back to something you said you talked about, and this is my term, that the state was investing heavily in a statewide technology platform for that uh, virtual learning is what I'm assuming. Uh, there's, there was a lot of talk about broadband access early on in the crisis, and now it's it's died down. Do you still have a same level of confidence that in South Carolina's uh, instance that the state house will fund broadband adequately, adequately enough for your investment to really pay dividends? I do. And there is more work to be done. And a lot of progress has been made over the summer months. We are working at the Department of Education very, very closely now with the Office of Regulatory Staff, who has been given the, uh, the responsibility of putting this broadband plan together. The telephone providers, uh, the cooperatives, uh, both telephone, telecommunication cooperatives and electric cooperatives, the big telephone providers of with the MiFi's, uh, AT&T, Verizon, everyone coming together to really uh, finally put things into action. There's been a lot of disagreement about how to proceed. There's been a lot of turf battles over the last few years that's kept South Carolina, I think, from making the progress that we needed to, be, to make 
that seems to be over and everyone has organized to get the job done as quickly as possible. Uh, one, t one company, uh, Ori uh, Telephone Cooperative down in the Myrtle Beach area signed up and hooked up over 600 families in just one week by, because the school gave them the telephone numbers of the families that they knew were, that were not online. So they were able to make connections quickly. So this pandemic has had some um, lemonade <laughs> uh, made from all these lemons and that has certainly been one, the spotlight on the disparity in internet connection and this reality that we have got to come together and solve the issue. So I've been very, very pleased with that and pleased with the progress. We still got a ways to go, but we've had tremendous support from the providers and from the leadership in the General Assembly saying we will make this happen. Bernie, I'm sorry I interrupted you, please. Actually, you asked the question I was going to ask, uh, but with the, I would just ask uh, Superintendent Spearman, what would you say to the communities uh, throughout South Carolina? What can we do uh, that we're not doing maybe to really support uh, the education system in this context that we're in now? Uh, we know to wear masks and so forth. Is there anything that you would say to, to our communities that we can do to support uh, our, our, our schools uh, during this time? Well, you hit the nail on the head with the wear of the mask and wash your hands. If you want us to get back, if you want to mitigate, doesn't cost a dime and we need to be doing it. Beyond that, we're working really hard to build confidence because families are nervous, teachers are nervous. Mm -hmm. And I want to convey, and I hope that community members will help us convey, and, and particularly the business community, because people have returned to work. Uh, they're back into manufacturing, but they're doing it very, very safely. And we can accomplish the same thing in our schools. It's going to take having the right equipment. It's going to take the social distancing. It's going to take small class sizes. But folks coming together to comfort each other and to look at the real truth and that it can be done. Now, I do not support all schools in South Carolina, all opening five days a week. I think that's a great goal and we want to get there, but we're not quite there yet. And we need to ease back in and prove to our community members that we can do this safely. So I, I would say to um, help us, business community, help us share what you're doing to make your employees safe so that we can build that same kind of trust for folks to bring their, send their children and their grandchildren back to school they really need to be in school. I don't think anybody doubts that. But um, it's gonna take a, a few weeks, I think, for us to prove that it can be done in a safe environment. Anna Bevan? Yeah, you've talked a little bit about um, confidence, and I think that's a huge piece of the puzzle. Um, will you expand on how you're working with teachers to build their comfort and their confidence of being back in the classroom? Well, a lot of um, conversation on social media. I've tried to be honest uh, throughout this pandemic. I've tried to um, not uh, be political about this and, that, and, and really put the trust in what the health experts are saying. Now, here's the, here's the challenge right now, though. In South Carolina and North, across the Carolinas, the spread is very high. 
And there have been charts to show at this level you do this, and at this level you move into a different mode of instruction. And I think now that what we're learning is that, yes, that is one indicator, but there are many indicators that we have to take into consideration. And I, I say to the teachers, we can't just rely on that one chart of you do this. And, and DHEC has now come out and, and supported that, that educators have to take in many factors. And I, I want teachers to know that that's what I'm looking at. Uh, but the one factor that never changes is that safety is the number one priority. So if we do go back, we will do it in a safe manner where hopefully most of them can feel comfortable. Now, I know some have severe health issues and they don't need to be back. But for those who can come back and teach, we need them to come back and to work with us uh, to set up this very safe environment for families and students and our staff can feel comfortable. We, we, we literally have less than a minute, there are about 30 seconds left. There, there seems to be a rise in tutoring and private teaching. Will that becoming more mainstream put more pressure on public budgets? I think absolutely it will. Most of the private independent schools in South Carolina are, are already saying that they're going to be opening up five days a week. And for some families, they almost have to have that option. So yes, I think they're I, we're seeing it, uh, a move to uh, go to the place that will offer the five days. Uh, so we're going to have to work very closely with our independent private parochial schools uh, to make sure that they're doing it in a safe way, safe way also. Um, I hope that no one will abandon the need to truly fund public education because, you know, we are there, we accept everyone, we accept those who have the most significant health issues, the most significant learning disabilities, mm -hmm. so we need that support to be there and not use that as a political um, debate for right now. Uh, Secretary Spearman, thank you again. I hate to rush you off. You are a distinguished champion for education in South Carolina. They are lucky to have you. We are lucky to have you. Uh, stay safe. Thank you for your leadership. Anna Bevan, good to see you again. Bernie, thank you. Uh, and stay safe for you all. Good night. Major funding for Carolina Business Review provided by High Point University, Martin Marietta, Colonial Life, the Duke Endowment, Bearings, Grant Thornton, Sonoco, Blue Cross Blue Shield of South Carolina, and by viewers like you. Thank you.